Welcome to the Run Better Podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. And remember, corporate learning and communications should not feel like work. If you want to truly engage your employees and create a measurable impact, share bite-sized videos made by people they want to hear from. If you'd like to learn how to do this for your business, get in touch with us at Snackable Inspirations. All right, let's get started. Hi, Tonio. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for making the time, and it's a pleasure speaking with you. You've had a lot of experience around employee engagement, so I'd love to hear what you're up to and uh, what are best practices and trends. But just to get started, if you wouldn't mind a brief introduction about what you've been doing. Sure. Thank you for having me today. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, well, first of all, to Neil Miller, um, nice to meet everybody. Um, probably for about the last 15 years or so, I've been working as an executive and a consultant, uh, coach, et cetera, really advising and partnering with leaders and organizations to really drive and operationalize their business strategy and the optimal performance of their organizations through things like digital transformation, change management, culture, um, employee experience, as you mentioned, uh, as well as strategic communications, and now as we're experiencing the uh, hybrid and remote work. So that's where a lot of my time has been spent over the years. How would you describe the companies that you're working with the most in terms of industry size? Now that I've had so many clients and had enough experiences in different organizations and spent a lot of time in the larger consulting firms, I've worked with everybody from really small startups, um, under 100 people, all the way through global, you know, multinationals, 200,000 people globally, that type of thing. And really across pretty much every industry at this point in time. So I've got a whole bunch of those experiences under my belt. And I'm assuming uh, the employee engagement uh, uh, challenges change from startup to large corporations. And yeah, about, so how do you describe the differences? I would say it really depends on the organization. Um, I'll give an example. So one of the organizations that I've worked with is, um, let's see, they're probably about five to 600 people um, growing extremely fast though. And they're pre-IPO, they're just taking off like crazy. Um, some of the, the, the pain points there is of course scaling, right? So they had this amazing culture and all this a great employee experience when they started because it was small and they were able to be very deliberate about it and that sort of thing. Um, but the biggest problem I hear with the, the organizations as they're growing is really scaling that. And especially as people come and go because it's not just the employee experience and being deliberate about it and like what how fast the firm is growing. It's actually also about the fact that the culture changes, right? As people come and go, as policies change, as uh, business priorities change, all those different factors can change the culture. And so culture isn't just like a, a once we did this culture exercise and then it's done. It's like we have to keep doing it all the time and it's always changing. So that's what I see a lot with the smaller organizations. Now with the larger ones, it's almost the opposite problem, right? Where it's like maybe they've had the same culture for quite a while um, and maybe even people have stayed in the organization for a long time. That happens with some of these um, more legacy organizations. And so in that regard, what I see a lot of issues with them in today's world especially is that they're not agile, they're not uh, as innovative, they're not as quote millennial friendly, I guess, or Gen Z friendly for the most part, if they have an older population or a more legacy population. And so for them, it's really, it's almost more difficult because at least the smaller organizations, they know what's really good and they can just 
try to you know build it faster and scale it faster um these other organizations it's like they're just not relevant like what was okay 50 years ago is not okay today and for so many reasons and so i think that they struggle even more and because they're so large and there's so much uh, bureaucracy it's really hard to turn that big ship around so i think that those are some of the things that we're seeing and why would you say is it important to make sure you have the culture and the engagement right for small for startups and for large enterprises are you is the human capital a huge asset that becomes underutilized? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think that, and again, I'm biased because this is the work that I do, but I mean, we have the, the data and the stats to prove it, that culture, human capital, people, all those things that people, employee experience, all that, everything that people used to say was touchy-feely, we now have the data to show that it actually is not touchy-feely, and in fact, it drives the business, because I don't care how great your product is, how great your you know clients think you are, if you're not treating your people the right way, and they don't have what they need to be successful as far as a good employee experience, the technology and tools, et cetera, et cetera, support that they need, you're not going to get the, the product out there, right? Or you're not going to get it out there in the right place, et cetera. So the point is, is like, if you can put in a little more time and energy in the front end of making sure that the employee experience, the development and all the people side uh, is in place and the technology and all that, then that drives just in general, it just drives your strategy. It drives your clients. It drives your, um, your offerings and that sort of thing to the market. So when you go into a company, how do you know that they have the wrong employee experience or how do you figure out what's the right employee experience for them? That's a really good question. And here's the thing too, I think a lot of people think about employee experience, they think about culture as, and even strategy, right? They think of it as kind of like, what's a good one and what's a bad one, right? And granted, you can walk into an organization and you can say, this culture sucks. You can see it, you can feel it. And also you can see it when it's great. But beyond that, I think it's very specific to the organization to what I always do when I start this out is I start out like, so, okay, so who, what is your business strategy as an organization? Let's start on the strategic side of things. What is your end goal? Like who are your clients? What is your product? What is your mission? What are your business strategy and uh, objectives? Let's start there. And then I work backwards, right? So from there, okay, so if this is what the strategy is. What capabilities and people and different skill sets and different things internally do we need to drive that sort of those goals externally? And so I always take it, step it backwards. And then from there, the culture and the employee experience is even a step further. And that's really enabling the people and enabling those uh, capabilities to drive the business forward. So what would you say are some best practices around employee engagement? Is there something where you can say all companies should be doing something like this? Is there a framework? That you can look at there's a lot of different things you can do and it will take a lot longer to describe all this in today's call but um what i would say is there's definitely some key milestones that i think that no matter what generation generations your workforce is what industry you're in or anything else i think that there's some things that are kind of agnostic and they're kind of guiding principles and they're things like um co-creating with your people don't just build policies and decisions and things in a vacuum and in platforms and tools don't build those in a vacuum and then go release them you know, bring in people, cross-functional teams around the business to help you build the strategies, uh, test the technology, et cetera, together so that they are not only surfacing any resistance they may have right away that you can figure out in the beginning versus later. Um, you're going to figure out they're closest to the work. They're closest to, the, they're using these things, right? So they're going to be able to give you a lot more insight than some person in HR who's in a vacuum, as I mentioned over here. So co-creation is huge. Um, as much transparency as possible, especially in today's world, because the world is so transparent. If you're not sharing, if you're a leader and you're not sharing a lot of your, a lot of the information with your people and like the strategy and how the company's doing and all these other things and your direction and things like that, 
that stuff is already shared in the media and social media. So if they see it out there and you're not sharing it with them, that's a big problem. So being very transparent. And also the other point of that is, you know, organizations like Netflix are really good at this, where they push as much information as possible, as down low as possible in the organization so that people at every single level can operate as owners and really drive the business forward. And think about how effective that is versus only having a few people on a leadership team that are trying to drive a whole organization. That sounds good in theory because, oh, they, you know, they're probably the most senior. They know exactly. No, they don't. They don't know that. Our world is very different now. And so if you can have everybody driving the business, that is super powerful. So I think those things are good. Um, this is something, and I'll get into an example of this in a moment, but autonomy. It sounds simple, but this is probably one of the number one things when you think about changing behavior, which sounds counterintuitive, or really anything when it comes to a culture and employee experience. It is the amount of autonomy that you allow your people. And I say autonomy, not just letting people do whatever they want all the time. I'm saying autonomy with accountability and clarity, right? So, and I'll give you an example in a moment of our, our current world that we're seeing. And when you give people the freedom to be adults and figure out how to solve the problem, but you also give them like the guardrails or the guiding principles slash clarity of what you need that end result to be, that sparks so much creativity and innovation and motivation. Um, and then you also learn new ways of doing because there's not just one way to do things. Um, and an example I'll give of this right now is what we're seeing with the whole return to work piece, right? So right now my organization just put together a brand new playbook and index and, and um, consulting services and all this great stuff that really help partner with leaders because right now I don't care who you are. You don't really know. They don't know what to do with this whole return to work thing. Um, we see some organizations demanding it. We see others you know, saying you, you can work it remotely indefinitely, and there's all kinds of gray space along the way. And so what you realize is it's not one size fits all, just like anything else. There's a whole index of factors that people need to, organizations need to consider when deciding if, when, who, how, you know, whatever is coming back, when it, what it looks like and all that. So I think some of those are really key pieces to think about when you're doing culture and um, employee experience work. And you mentioned a key driver being autonomy. Can you give me an example or some ideas of how you would empower, empower your employees to get to that level where they can function autonomously. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And this is, I think, again, I hate to say it, but our previous generations, I feel like there's a lot of lazy management is what I call it, where they don't know how to manage if you're not sitting in the chair right next to them and they're watching you work. They think that that's, a, that's accountability and that's, you know, producing results when now, you know, you know, people are on Facebook half the time anyways, and they're online shopping and doing other things. They're not even working. They're just there. Um, but what I would say is to give them autonomy, we need to retrain our managers. We need to, we need to teach them how to be leaders in this new world, because whether we're remote or not, whether it's a millennial or not, it does not matter. It's human nature. We do not want to be treated like little kids. There's so many problems that come out in organizations and so much money that's lost by just micromanaging people and not giving them autonomy. Um, so to answer your question in ways to get at that, I mean, again, push as much information as possible in as transparent as possible, as low in the organization. So people know what's going on, right? Because first I need to know what's going on, what our business strategy is, um, what some of our constraints are, maybe some who our competitors are. We need to know those things if we're gonna actually operate like owners and be autonomous and drive these things forward. Um, so I think that's key, as I mentioned. Um, and I think also, you know, providing guiding principles, as I mentioned, or, you know, guardrails, kind of giving people freedom within a framework. I think that's really helpful because you're not telling them how to do anything. You're just saying, you know, this is the result we need, or this is the product that we need by when, et cetera. And then there's the accountability built in. And so I think um, there were a few women a couple of years ago that worked with Best Buy and they started this organization called Grow. It's results oriented work environment, I believe. And they basically said, whether you're remote or not, or whatever the, the dynamic is, you're only you're you're measured on your your 
productivity, like what you output, right? So in that regard, we give you all the autonomy you want on how you work, when you work, how you get it done, who, you know, who you work with or don't work with, but you're very clear on what the metrics are and what you need to achieve. And then that way, it's like, you know, the OKRs and those sorts of things, as long as you know what that end result is and you have support if you need it to get there, that's really the, the um, secret sauce, I think, in letting people find that autonomy uh, to get there. And what you're describing becomes a big communication problem, I think, uh, top down. And when I speak with communications practitioners, not a mistake, but perhaps a miss, is that they try to uh, send downward information that they think should be put yeah. downwards and not the other way around. What they don't think, what does the associate need to know in order to do their business, their work? It's more, what do I want them to know based on my compliance requirements or things like that? So it ends up being very low adoption and things like that. Is there a way around that? Yes, there certainly is. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is the default setting, I think, for most organizations. And understandably so. I think, you know, human nature basically has us all in our own ego in our own head. And we're like, well, I want that person to know that or I want them to do that. So here's what I'm telling you. Well, that's great. But that's no, we need to think about this um, when it comes to employees, the same way that we think about customers, right? Think about marketing has been really good at this over the years where they don't just tell you what they want you to know, but they actually do the work ahead of time and they journey map you and they de develop personas and they get to know you and who you are and what you care about and what you believe in and what you know currently and, and all kinds of other factors. And so I employ this in my work um, with change and transformation employee experiences. Like we build these personas, like who are the people impacted by this change or with this whatever we want to communicate and understanding them on a human level and understanding like what they know, what they don't know, how they like to be communicated with, what are the channels, that sort of thing. And we build these profiles. We actually have persona profiles that we build and we journey map them, as I mentioned. And um, from that point, we actually walk it backwards. It's not what I want you to know out. It's more like, what do they need to know? What are they looking for? We involve them in that. We do focus groups. We do all kinds of different um, uh, pulses and just ways of getting in their head and understanding what do they want to find out as well and then that way you can actually get the best of both worlds because you're understanding what they want and need to know and that sort of thing you're also seeing if it's part of what your message was going to be anyways and you find that common ground and bring it together so there certainly are ways to do it it's just a matter of whoever's doing that the leader specifically needs to take themselves out of their own shoes for a moment and step themselves into the end user's shoes that's very interesting so it's like an internal marketing function almost exactly yeah um, and uh, do you have you seen any trends that are very interesting or any pain points that are existing in the industry? Something interesting that's either missing or you're trending towards? Uh, let me just think about this for a moment because there's a lot of things. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of things that I'm thinking about. I'm always kind of upskilling and you know um, educating myself on things like you know the future of work. That's obviously a huge trend. So that's again that the whole remote hybrid work that whole piece there, um, as well as you know AI, robotics, how we're going to be working with. AI and robots very, very soon if we aren't already. Um, also the shift to gig work, which again, this is starting pre-COVID, but it's now being accelerated where everyone's having more of a portfolio of careers. Maybe they have three part-time jobs now instead of one full-time that they're wed to their whole life. Um, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, holograms, those were already coming along way before COVID, but now it's really being invested in heavily because as we all realize now, we're not, we will be back in workplaces in some capacity. We'll travel again, we'll do that, but it's going to be very different. It's going to be a lot less. And so because of that, we need to really ramp up that other technology that I just mentioned so that we can actually function from afar. So I think those are the big pieces I'm seeing. Um, and again, the dynamic workplaces, as I mentioned, which my organization currently is working very heavily on, very excited about the things that are coming out there. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that comes to mind. Um, no, I think those are the big ones at the moment. 
Anything that's missing, like a pain point that you see very commonly? Well, and again, I hate to keep bringing this back to um, the hybrid office piece, but this is just on everyone's top of mind as of today. It's the summer of 2021. And I mean, I don't care what industry you're in. There's so much drama and news around this. Um, and what I see as the biggest pain point is that um, there's a big disconnect. And it, this could apply to a lot of factors in around employee experience, I think, but this is a good example of it that's relevant today. But there's a big disconnect between what leaders of some organizations want and what their people want, right? Because they're not listening to them, they're not asking, they're not co-creating with them, that sort of thing. I think that's a big miss, a very big miss. And that's why we're starting to see this, what they call the mass, mass exodus that's happening where everyone's quitting their jobs because these leaders who are demanding people come back today or you know today or tomorrow, whether it's safe or not, without listening to their people or giving them what they need, top talent is not going to put up with that. And they don't have to because there's plenty of organizations that will not demand that. So I'm seeing a lot of that right now. So I think that's one of the big misses and pain points I see. Um, let me see what else. Yeah, I think that's kind of the most the most relevant one right now. And I could talk for hours about that. But there's a lot of things leaders could do here that can make it a lot easier and really bring their people with them. But the ones who do will win and the ones who don't. No, that's awesome. Thank you very much. And we can close on that note. I wanted to also make sure that people can get in touch with you and maybe hear more of your ideas uh, on social media. Where, where do they find you? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always on there posting. My organization is EXT. It's Employee Experience and Transformation. And so it's just experience and transformation. One word dot com is the website. So check that's it awesome. out. Thank you so much. Thanks for right, sharing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Run Better podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you would subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to engage employees. Thanks, and see you soon.